True salvation must include repentance and faith. My, my introduction into the kingdom was with a simple faith. It was a simple faith that I want Jesus. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. All right, and welcome back to another edition of Testimony Tuesday. This is Pastor Adam from Virginia Beach, and I am very pleased to welcome uh, another guest to this Testimony Tuesday. I'm uh, continually amazed uh, at how far-reaching these episodes go, and uh, so it's a great pleasure for me to welcome uh, evangelist, Pastor Jeremiah Wacker. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, man. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate the invite. Yes. Well, we appreciate you uh, uh, taking some of your downtime in between revivals and uh, spending some time with us. And uh, yeah. so we, uh, we're, we're very appreciative to uh, have a fellowship full of amazing people who have experience all around the world. And uh, so I'm excited to hear your story today. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, you know, ever since you were overseas and you had uh, this mysterious thing that back in the early 2000s called a blog that we were <laughs> able to kind of breaking ground there. And uh, so I kind of have always, always heard about you and then uh, I've caught uh, I love the Pastor Mitchell sermons on the podcast. So uh, what you do, man, is a great resource and it's super cool to be a part of it, man. Well, thank you. We yeah. appreciate that. And the we're doing it all to try to be a blessing to some pastors, disciples, church members all around the world, and it only continues to grow. So we're we're blown away by what God is doing. Awesome. So for those who don't know you, uh, Pastor Wacker, uh, where are you from? What is your history in the fellowship? And uh, give us the short version before we deep do a deep dive. Yeah, very cool. So um, I was saved when I was 16 years old. I was way back in 1993. I was saved in an Assembly of God Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and um, so I was saved for about nine months. I had only been filled with the Holy Spirit about one month, and um, my youth pastor in that church is cousins with Artie Aragon, and oh, so wow. we had done, yeah, we did a, a little trip. Uh, we had a big trip. There was about 55 youth that went from Colorado down to the res um, for a summer missions trip, what they would call, you know, and, uh, I was a part of the reconnaissance team. So, um, long story short, I got some one-on-one -on -one time Memorial day weekend of 94 with Artie, uh, just being around his church and, um, you know, uh, whether it's the good, bad or the ugly, I didn't leave his side for about 72 hours, man. I was uh, hooked, you know, just following him around. Uh, my sister ended up getting saved in Colorado. Uh, we ended up, you know, having that missions trip in the summer, 
and God dealt with us. We're originally from Colorado. That's where I was with my grandparents. Uh, but my family, my parents were back in Austin, Texas. God dealt with me and my sister. We moved back to Austin and um, ended up finding a, a church. I called Artie. I said, hey, man, I want a church like yours. And I uh, ended up at the door in Austin, Texas. Uh, Barry Parker uh, was four years in the pioneering that work. And so my sister and I became a part of the the core there. There's about 10 or 12 folks there when we went and we've uh, been able to watch it explode. Um, and just all that God's done through the, the Austin, Texas church. So uh, I've been locked in. That's been home base since 94. Um, I got married in 99, had a Jesus people wedding, which is a miracle for both me and my wife, considering where we came from and um, uh, ended up getting announced in the year 2000, pioneered a church in South Austin was an assistant uh, for one year for Pastor Parker in the Austin church, which we saw a really awesome season of growth during that time. One of the most precious uh, seasons of my ministry. And then we went to California and uh, pioneered over there. And uh, some people would say that's a missionary work, but uh, yeah. the, the verdict's still out on that, you know. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Californication. So uh we we navigated through that which city it was uh madera madera california right outside of fresno and um some of the precious souls that were saved there awesome pillars in the fresno church now and we're super proud of them and they're they're a great uh testimony and into just all that that god's done so that ended in a redirection which was uh really i don't talk about it a whole lot um but uh, somebody accused me of having done everything there is in the ministry for the fellowship. So when I started to think about it, you know, we pioneered, we were door directors, we pioneered. Um, I was an assistant. Uh, we've even gone through redirection, but uh, it didn't change our theology. Uh, the only thing I really say about that season, man, is that I always was at prayer, always dressed up, always ready to do whatever God wanted us to do, uh, even during that time. So we didn't, lower our theology, our expectation because of our failure, because of uh, failed expectations through a lot of hard work. We, we worked our butts off there and just didn't see what we wanted to. So anyways, um, that um, turned into positioning us to be able to take over church and college station, Texas. Um, we were there for a few years, then came, uh, just helped out in the mother church for a short period of time, preaching around, and then was announced to be a full-time evangelist in oh, wow. somewhere around 2013, 2014, and uh, spent almost five years uh, traveling around. Was uh, super privileged to be able to hit 17 countries, and uh, I think we've uh, cap done over 200 revivals. So just, you know, we, 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 whatever we do, we do hard, man. So uh, <laughs> we worked real hard there. God had called me to India. And uh, that was a transitionary period where I let my pastor know about it. It didn't happen when I would have preferred as far as my time frame, but God had everything set up perfectly and ended up going in 2018 uh, to India, uh, two and a half, almost three years. And now we're back full-time evangelism wow. and uh, back on the trail. And uh, so that's kind of the, uh, the long short. Man. What a what a ride, huh? Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> well, I'm I'm super I've, grateful, super super, amen, humble by what God's done through me and my family. 
Praise God. Well, I've already got a bunch of questions that I want to ask you. So, <laughs> so, but let's, uh, let's start at the common place, which is at the beginning. And uh, tell us about your background and how you grew up. What was your family life like? Yeah, very good. So I, I was, uh, you know, in one sense, I was very blessed. I had both my parents. Um, they were very good people in many, many aspects. Uh, they loved us, you know, my, my family tremendously. I have an older sister, a younger sister. And, um, but you know, my, my parents, they were backsliders. They were, um, my mom was converted as a very young teenager. When her parents got saved, my mom was born in Paris. My grandparents immigrated over here. My grandfather joined the American air force. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, he's just, he, he's one of my heroes, man, this guy, uh, my grandfather, but he was 40 years old walked out of a Catholic church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. He was already a lieutenant colonel, very well off, very established, very educated, uh, very stable life. But he walked out of a Sunday mass and he looked at my grandmother and at the age of 40 years old, he said, there is more to God that we don't have. Mm. Put them on a journey. They ended up at a, a first assembly of God in Colorado Springs, lifted their hand, answered an altar call, got born again, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and were converted, wow. man. So powerful. That's amazing. My, my mom was, I think, around 12, 14 years old. They, all three of them, got baptized together, and powerful testimony. Um, my, grand, my, my, my dad, he was kind of a church kid, raised also. Uh, my parents met at church. Um, you know, they answered altar calls to be uh, missionaries is, is actually what they had done. I got wow. testimony from that, but uh, they fell into sin and, um, you know, uh, don't get me preaching because, uh, you know, I, I end up preaching about all this, but it's just heartbreaking because they fell into sin, but they didn't respond properly. And their comment was, well, let's just go see what the world has. We'll come back later. Well, they never came back. You know, they never went back to church. By the time I came around, they were deep, deep, deep into the uh, new age religion. I was raised in wow. a cult by the name of Unity. And, um, you know, I was taught there is no devil, there is no sin. Uh, Jesus was just a guru, a good person. Uh, don't trust the Bible, you know. So I was, uh, we, we are all God, you know. And uh, we would, our youth group, we would meditate with candles. And uh, I'm aware of people who had levitated, people who had soul travel. I mean, they were getting deep into all of that. Um, I think because of my grandparents' prayer, uh, I never got deep into that because I gave myself to it. I was only a teenager, 14, 15, and 16, and, and, and I was embraced the theology. I, I was into the philosophy. So, uh, you know, with all the talk of peace, love, and, uh, you know, world, world harmony, uh, there was no harmony in my house. So, wow. you know, it's just a lot of chaos, man. My, um, you know, I don't mean any disrespect whenever I share the testimony with my family, but I mean, not once did I ever, was I ever aware of my family paying rent on time or my, my, my dad holding down a job or, you know, it, it just a lot of stuff. So that uh, precipitated me, what I consider kind of running away, you know, and left from Texas to go to Austin, uh, from Austin, Texas to Colorado. Uh, first year I was with my grandparents, that was my ninth grade year, gave them so much wow. trouble, so much trouble, man. But uh, they were trying to get me into church. Part of my journey was that I literally became integrated in a couple of youth groups for a short period of time, but there was never any difference. I didn't have to change. The kids weren't different. 
the preaching, I, I don't remember anything. I never got convicted or dealt with, but I remember walking in on September 1993 to the church I got saved in, and something was different. It, it put me so on edge that as the youth pastor was preaching the gospel, I was like, this is totally opposite of what I believe. I literally got up and walked out in the middle of the service, waited in the parking lot for my grandparents. Um, so that, but, that's how was, opinionated. Was the, uh, that a, a opinionation, did that come from the, the, the history in the cult that you had grew up in? Like, did you receive a lot of that? Maybe even subconsciously, you think? Yeah, subconsciously and consciously. I literally had arguments in my mind when he was talking about Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. That was opposite of my worldview. I was taught that all religions are different ways to the same place. And mm -hmm. um, later on, I found out that that's not biblically true as far as heaven. It is biblically true as far as judgment day. Sure. We're all on different paths to the same place, but it ain't. Uh, utopia, you know, it, it's, right. it's judgment. It's the judgment. So, no, I mean, I, I had a worldview. I had a set of philosophies that that was contrary to what the Bible was teaching. So I think this is actually uh, unique to our podcast so far, which is uh, we've, we've had people from Catholic backgrounds and atheist backgrounds and uh, religious backgrounds, but uh, never somebody who was in a bona fide cult. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I don't know to say I, thank you. Or, oh, Lord, <laughs> I, I just uh, I, I'm curious about it. And, uh, you know, maybe you could tell us a, a little bit more about what kind of things that that uh, that that put into you and maybe some of the struggles that well, obviously you you rejected the gospel outright at the beginning. But, um, you know, what what effect did that have on you as you were growing up? Yeah. You know, I, and, and when I don't want to philosophize, but I'm just going to throw it out there just as part of something that I've thought about throughout the years. But I was at different churches, you know, uh, as a younger teen, and I didn't feel anything different, you know. So they were talking about the Bible and about Jesus. And I don't know, like I said, it, it, that could be a long philosophical question, like, was I just not ready or, but. In a way, it's almost like without the presence of the Holy Spirit or without the conviction, it's like everybody's just the same. You just integrate. And sometimes what I say is that we are not here to teach sinners how to be religious. And without being overly judgmental, because there are a lot of factors that I don't remember, but it's almost like that's the arena. that That's what I experienced. Now, before, when I was a kid, I was in a Holy Ghost atmosphere three or four times. And I responded and I was prophesied over when I was about six years old that I was oh, wow. the pastor is about 3000 people in the church service. It was a Holy Ghost church in Denver, Colorado. He left the pulpit, walked over, laid hands on me, said that I was called to, to do a work for God. So I have very, do you very, remember memories, that? very little, very little. I remember yeah. the, the pastor. I remember what he looked like. I remember the crowds. I don't remember feeling anything or I don't remember his words. But it's kind of like my slight memory and then my aunt who had always told me about it. So, um, But that gets me back to where you asked about like how my philosophies were sideways with the gospel. And I think part of it might have been it was my time. And part of it was there was an anointing. There was mm -hmm. an anointing on the preaching. It was clear. Uh, it mentioned sin. 
it mentioned salvation. And I don't remember the exact messages, but I remember it dealt with me. And uh, again, you know, it's powerful with our testimonies because it's what God did for us. And so this is not a theology, but, you know, true salvation must include repentance and faith. That's right. My, yep. my, my introduction into the kingdom was with a simple faith. It was a simple faith that I want Jesus. I, I had an argument to the fact that I did not have sin and there was no devil, but I know that I knew that I had sin and I knew that there was a dark force because I was struggling with insomnia uh, the mm. whole summer between ninth and 10th grade. I could not sleep before 3 a.m. staring at the ceiling, thinking about infinity. Uh, you know, I didn't know the scripture eternity is in their hearts, but I just thought of outer space and like for an hour, my mind would go as far <laughs> as it. And I'm just like tormented, like, dude, what what's out there? And um, so I just lifted my hand that second time I went to church. I went from walking out in the middle of the service to lifting my hand and answering an altar call in the second service. The first wow. six months so, are, a, yeah. What 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 happened be between the first and the second? Like the first one, you're walking out, you're like, uh, your history is causing you to just reject it. But then the second one, you're like jumping in with both feet. What, what's up with that? Absolutely full on supernatural. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. <laughs> Seriously, there was no argument. There was no, no yeah. thing. I spent the next four months arguing with the pastor. Like, <laughs> I literally... Um, now the youth pastor, he was, he was brilliant and he was anointed. It was very powerful and it was very directly hitting right where I lived as a sinner, 16 year old in the main sanctuary. Um, you know, the religious world kind of separates them and stuff like that. But Sunday mornings, this family would give me a church, uh, give me a ride. I would listen to it. I enjoyed the worship. I, I had faith. That's why I really don't know the day I got saved. I claimed my salvation September of 94 because that's when I answered altar call. That's when I got baptized, water baptized. But I would, I would go literally every Sunday morning 
And when this family were driving me home, my two buddies would be in the back seat, their mom and dad would be in the front seat. And I would argue, I mean, I was literally raising such a hippie new age philosophy that I had no respect for authority, unfortunately. So I would like literally raise my voice and I was uh, very disrespectful, but I would say, no, nah, the pastor said this, abortion, sexual immorality, you know, and I would argue. And the, the, one of the phrases, and, and there's not a one answer like that moment I got saved, but this is the actual answer of what changed my life, is that this, this man, the father, he never scolded me, he never belittled me. Every time he would listen, oh, okay, oh, Wacker, okay, yeah, I get it, Wacker, that's cool. He said, you know, that makes sense. I see where you're coming from, Wacker. But the Bible says, uh, and then he would give this calm, collective. Authority. Author it was dominion. And, and I, I don't remember a single thing he said. I just know that it was supernatural. He was doing something. Wow. Later on, and I'll fast forward, we can come back. But when I got launched out in 2000, I found that, that, that guy's number because uh, in that gap, I moved to Austin. But I found him in Colorado, called him. I said, bro, I just want to let you and your family know, man, I appreciate y'all. Uh, I'm so sorry the way that I acted towards you and your dad. And I said, I want y'all to know that I've become a pastor. And he put his phone down. He said, mama, mama, Wacker's <laughs> a pastor. She said, I don't believe it. I don't, not even, that's impossible. You know, but so anyways, that was a major key. Um, I backslid really hard when I left Colorado, went to Texas. Uh, th this is a whole nother segment of my story, but my dad was not saved. He was a backslider. And I had no idea that he was diametrically opposed to my salvation. Over the phone from Colorado to Texas, he's like, oh, that's cool. Then he would try to subtly dismantle everything that God was teaching me and building in me. When I went with him, he picked me up from the Greyhound bus station in Austin, Texas, first thing he did was give me a joint. That two weeks was just a lot of nonsense. I end up back in Colorado and same church, same chair, same Bible, same friend, same preacher. And I'm looking at all them and they say, I said, something's different about these people. I didn't feel any hunger, any desire. That sin had completely put out, you know, that fire that hmm. was building in me. And how um, long after after your salvation experience was that? So that was four months, September, wow. then December. And uh, by God's sovereign grace, I, I just had no, I couldn't find people to sin with. I didn't enjoy the sin. And my uh, life changing moment was uh, the, the Tuesday, last Tuesday of January, 94. There was a prayer meeting. It was only youth. About 14 kids were getting prayed for to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Everybody, man, just busted out in tongues. It was incredible. Everybody got the anointing. Everybody got the baptism except me. And that put me on a journey from the end of January. The day I got filled was March 30th. And the, the, the dynamic of being sanctified, being delivered, getting filled with God, that, that, that was a defining season for me. March 30th was my uh, no turning back moment, 1994. Uh, it's been no looking back ever since that day. And um, so you were, yeah. you were still 16 at that point. Yes. Yep. Nine mm -hmm. months saved. Just got filled with the Holy ghost. Uh, only one month after that, I end up in Chinle. I meet Artie. And yeah. uh, three months after that, God speaks to me and my, my sister very clearly. My sister got saved right around 
that time as well. She actually got baptized with the Holy Ghost in Chinle, Arizona. So that's wow. kind of part of her so story. Did she did she come to uh, your grandparents' house also? Yeah, so she had spent uh, a year with my aunt in Denver. She had to get away from the chaos. She ended up coming to be in Colorado Springs with me and my uh, grandparents. And Older or younger she, sister? She's younger. And one of the pre- most precious things I have in my entire life is her testimony that says, when I saw how God changed my brother, I wanted what he had. Mm. And uh, she, she immediately got saved. When I told her what happened, immediately she got saved. She's still serving God today. She's married, three beautiful daughters. She's the sign language interpreter in our church here in Austin. Oh, wow. Her brother-in-law awesome. is in our song service and a pillar in our church. So, yeah. So one question I like to ask is about your yeah. new convert experience. Those first couple of years uh, in the kingdom can be a time of great miracles. Do you remember any remarkable things that God did during that time? Yeah. So just my conversion uh, story, those first nine months, that to me is a miracle. The other miracle is the sovereignty of God's timing. So that is that I was barely saved nine months, not even a month filled with the Holy Ghost. And I was chosen as a leader to go on this four-day reconnaissance trip, the pastor, two other young men, and myself to go to Chinle, Arizona. That, that was a miracle. I had no business being called a leader or no business being on that trip, but it allowed me you know, everybody in our church got to meet Artie Aragon in July, but that was a very busy eight days. Uh, no alone time with him. It was straight work. It was incredible. But that one-on-one time I had with him, uh, I joke and say it ruined my life. I'll never, I never will be able to lead a normal life after being around a man <laughs> like that. His compassion, his anointing, his love for people, love for the word of God, and uh, just, you know, meeting somebody like that. So, so that was a miracle, you know, that God put me in a position uh, to, to meet him. The, the next thing that happened was on that trip because the youth pastor and the two other dudes, they would go rest at the hotel. But I'd be like, nah, if Artie Aragon's awake, I'm going to be next to him. And I went with him to visit a lady. We prayed for her, saw her leg grow out. It was my first miracle seeing wow. that. And Artie told me, he said, well, there's a guy that I, that I really love a lot. His name is Wayman Mitchell. And Wayman Mitchell has seen all kinds of miracles. And Pastor Mitchell told me that what he does, I can do. And so he said, Jeremiah, what I've done, you can do. I was like, whoa. So I prayed for a girl in our youth group. She's 13 years old. She's lactose intolerance. This is my first miracle. I prayed for her. And this little um, city girl, she's a church kid. But she loved God, man. And when I prayed for her, she said, I felt something touch me. And she went to the restaurant, got a large glass of milk, and she chugged it like a dude, chugged it like a like an MMA athlete after a fight. And she said, no problem. Next morning, she's slamming milk with her pancakes, and she got healed. Um, wow. So th- th- that was like, I saw it. He said, you can do this. Gave me two scriptures, Mark 16. Numbers uh, 2319, God is not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he'll go back on his promise. What he said, he'll do it. What he promised, he will perform it. And Wackney promised that you could lay hands on the sick. And so I was like, dang. In that trip, there was a young man. And I'll stop here and then see if this is, you know, because there are so many other ones. But 
Oh, yeah. uh, on that trip, there was a dude named Adrian. He was 19 years old. He was part of our youth group in Colorado. He had gone to the U.S. military, took the ASVAT, passed the flying colors, passed the physical, went to the doctor, and he had uh, was ready to join the Army. But what happened was when he was 12 years old, he had an accident, and he broke some kind of growth thing in his shoulder. So when mm. he's six, he's six one. Oh, did I lose you? What happened? Uh, Sorry. That, gotcha. So when he would put his hands together like this, it was a whole hand length. He's six one. So this is like we're talking maybe four to six inches. And Artie told us, you pray with your eyes open. He said, I don't want to see none of you city kids praying with your eyes closed. You're gonna watch this. And we prayed for Adrian, dude, and we watched his arm grow out it was so significant that he went back from that trip reapplied for the military and was accepted the doctor saying we don't we've never heard of this condition that we had in your other file being corrected we want to meet wow. your plastic surgeon but um that's how significant so that was a huge reference point oh my goodness so i'm trying to get my head around how you ended up in Chinle, Arizona with, uh, with, with pastor there. And so the assembly of God church was like doing some kind of a mission strip on the res. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. Because my youth pastor in the assembly church was Artie's cousin. Oh, right. You mentioned that. So, okay. So he yeah. knew what was going on out there and he was yeah. like looking at all these city kids thinking they need to get out of their little bubble. Let's take yeah. them to the res and see what God is doing out there, man. That, that's amazing. That's so good. Like out of the box thinking. Uh, that's, yeah. that's almost like, I mean, it's, it's not the same, but it's almost like an overseas trip, right? This is like, this is the reason why we go on impact teams around the world. The same idea. Yeah. So that's yeah. pretty awesome, man. Had, had you, yeah. had you ever been in that kind of an environment before? No, absolutely not. So uh, yeah, the, the dynamics of the res and the kind of the third world vibe, I've never been around that. And then even saved great people. The church I got saved in was a wonderful church, awesome people. But to see a man that is broken, set apart for God and walking with a tangible anointing, that to me is one of the most valuable dynamics that a human being, you know, I don't want to just be a good Christian, man. I don't want to be a good preacher. I don't want to be a good dad. I, I don't, I, I don't want that. I want something tangible that's from another world i want something spiritual a dynamic you know and that that was put in my dna right in the very beginning wow so i bet you wanted to stay <laughs> yeah actually you know it's i i i would have you know but that's the other miracles that god guided me you know i would have gone to chinley in a heartbeat but i was 16 turned 17 my sister was 14 years old so you know, I've asked God before, like, hey, why didn't I end up in Chinle? You know, that's not what God wanted. I ended up in Austin and uh, Pastor Barry Parker became kind of like a father to me. So, you know, the story progresses and the yeah, short so, version. So how, yeah. How'd you end up in Austin? How, how'd you get to the Potter's house there? So uh, it was a simple call to Artie. Say, I want a church okay. like yours. Gave me Pastor Barry Parker's phone number. And um, my sister and I went there. Uh, there's a longer version of that, and you're asking about new convert miracles. One of the new convert miracles was the day God spoke to me to leave Colorado to go to Austin. 
The other miracle is my sister and I were for two months. Uh, tell me if uh, this is going too long, all right? But because it's it just gets me kind of fired up. But we we were two months Sunday morning at Assembly of God, Sunday night at the door, the Potter's House, you know, in Austin. Okay. And yep. we were fasting. We we totally understood we needed to find a home church. We knew that, you know, no problem. And Pastor Parker released us. The assembly pastors like, yeah, dude, whatever, you know. And God spoke to me and my sister about 12 hours apart and spoke the exact same words into our spirit. You know, I want you at the door. There's a longer version of how that went down, but we we just said, dang, okay. And that confirmation was on us. We said thank you to the assembly church. They blessed us, sent us on, you know, our way. And we joined the Austin church. Um, and that, that's where we were locked in. It was a trip because we're talking 10 or 12 people with a working pastor. And yeah. um, uh, that's from a church of a thousand people with a hundred kids in the youth group with all kinds of activities and all kinds of stuff right. going on to being like, uh, it, it was a really, really hard two years for me and my sister. Um, but we were determined to be a part of the growth of that church. Uh, we were not satisfied with just normal church. We wanted a revival. We contended for revival. We did anything and everything we could to support Pastor Parker and to be a part of that. Those 10 or 12 people that were serving God in the Austin church in 94 are still serving God today and a, and a part of this congregation. So the church has launched out over 20 churches. Um, there are 10 of them that are that are strong and that are still there now. Uh, First Grandbaby Church will be going out here probably in a few months uh, from the College Station Church that I had a privilege to pastor for a little while. But Oh, uh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, but that was a challenge in the beginning because there was no youth. There was, you know, these people were good, hardworking, faithful people, but they just weren't doing stuff. They weren't partying. I mean, not party, fellowshipping every night. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they were faithful to the Saturday outreaches, but doing stuff on a Thursday night or Sunday night after church was, you know, they, they, they were good and faithful, but we were just, we were stretched, you know? So we made some yeah. great friends in pastor Richard Ruby's church, which is our mother church. And, um, and those friendships last till today, but um, anyways, yeah. So that was that transition period there. So, so that's great experience because as you're preaching around as an evangelist, I mean, you get to see churches that run the gamut, right. From, from the 10 to 12 people uh, all the way to some of the larger churches in our fellowship. So um, does that, does that help you uh, to encourage people? I'm sure it does. 110% because yeah. not only were we there, but pastor Parker was at his four year mark when we got there and there was 12 people after four years of him pouring his life out there. Uh, and truth be told, there had been three other pastors in the eighties that had yeah. tried to, they called Austin a pastor killer. So he was technically the fourth pastor, but, um, but it didn't happen automatically. So from 94 to 90, uh, December of 96 was the grind, but it was the grind in, in 90, uh, January 1st, 1997, our church was about 30, 35 people. And in the next six months, we watched that church go from 30 uh, to 35 people to running over 80 people. Wow. And by 98, we were breaking 100. So not so what, only... What do you, what do yeah. you think contributed to that breakout? 
Well, very good. That's a powerful question. Part of it was... If you'd like to hear the rest of this sermon, subscribe today. It's only $3 a month when you subscribe at supercast.tech or $4.99 per month when subscribing in Apple Podcasts. Links are in the show notes. We thank you for joining us on this special preview of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon Podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.